Well, let me get right to it this morning. I want to, uh, I want to launch out into something today. Once again, thanks for being a part. Thanks for being faithful during this whole pandemic year. We've had a tremendous year here at the church uh, in lots of ways. Lots of ways have been very difficult. Well, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been incredible no matter where you apply that to. Amen. It's been an incredible year. Amen. Whether that's good or bad. But listen, you've been incredibly faithful. So thank you so much for that. Let me just begin with this. Uh, you know, for most of 2020, we shifted things into neutral. How many of you feel like your life has sort of been in neutral in a lot of ways? How many of you missed a vacation this year that you would have taken? Uh, some of you worked from home this year. Anybody work from home that wouldn't normally have done that? Uh, lots of different things that we, we felt like, and I think the whole world, I don't know that we backed up all the time, but we certainly weren't moving forward. There we go. Thank you, Fletch. Moving forward. And... We've sort of been in neutral. Anybody feel that way? Say amen. amen. Over the past few days, uh, we've seen, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, the revelation of some of what our nation is becoming. Uh, I don't know if you, it started for me with the prayer to open up the session of the House of Representatives. Any of you pay attention to that where uh, Representative uh, Emmanuel Cleaver from the Kansas City area prayed uh, to the monotheistic God and then said amen and a woman. Listen, I, ladies, I want you to know that I love you completely and respect you, and I live with a very strong woman. I, I don't, I don't, I've never believed in this whatever uh, thing about women, but uh, you, you do understand that the word amen has got no gender reference in it, right? It's a, it's a word that just means so be it. And just that political correctness, we've seen that. And then the events at the Capitol building a few days ago, all of the things going on in our world today, I just think that all of that coming through 12 months now of pandemic and here we are still sitting in church with masks on I think there I think there is a moment before us church where we must we must not in my lifetime has there ever been a time where we ought to examine our tactics and our urgency any more than we should today can you say amen to that it is time, it is time. I wish I had a, I don't know, I wish I, I, wish I could turn myself chartreuse purple so that you would, I don't know, jump up and down. It's time. Anybody believe it's time for the church to get moving? I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about a, I'm not talking about a local assembly. I'm not talking about this. I'm God's church, the word of God, the people of God, all of that. It is time for us to begin to turn the tide of preaching the word and making a difference in the lives of people. You have begun, certainly over the last month, you have been able to see so visibly the downfall of the spirituality of people in our world. Amen. Our nation is quickly moving away from biblical beliefs. When you have an ordained minister stand up and do that ridiculous mess that he did with the monotheistic God, Brahma, and all that, come on. You, you cannot be an ordained minister of the gospel and believe that stuff. Amen. And there have been a lot of things that I've kind of stayed out of, but I'm done staying out. All right. Um, it's just, you cannot, we cannot. But now listen, I listened to a sermon yesterday. And while I liked it, and while it, it, it spoke to me, it said nothing to the lost world. There, there cannot be, we cannot be a place, I cannot be a guy that preaches sermons for you alone. This cannot be a place where we placate our own, you know, woo, yeah, woo, that's, man, that's good. Listen, I love that. But if we're not advancing the kingdom of God into the lost world, we are a useless tool in the hand of God. 
It cannot be that. So we must examine our tactics and our urgency. And with all of that in mind, I'd like to show you some things that we've been working on. We have not been in our planning and in our thinking and in our refining what we are. We have not been sitting in neutral. We've been using this time to try to figure out where we're going and how we should get there over the next five years. And I want to start today, I thought it was a providential time, our first Sunday back, and I want to launch some things to you. So we have the staff, the deacons, the, you know, we've had input from different places, we've drawn things from outside. Just very quickly, I want to give you 13, what we've called aligning values, and then I want to preach to you a little bit about what they mean off of just a couple of them this morning. I just want to run through these very quickly. 13 things, I think, do we, are these on the slides, Brooke, are these, are they good, Jason? I didn't, I didn't look at the slides before. Here we go, number one, we will honor Christ and his church with integrity. What does that mean? It means that everything we do and say should push people towards Christ. You say, no, integrity means telling the truth. It, it does mean that, but for us to live in integrity, it means that we must stay true to the mission that God gave us to do. We cannot do things just for us we must be pushing this gospel out and sharing and everything. Every, would you say the word everything with me? Everything. everything we do and say should push people towards Christ. Let me go through these quickly and then I'm going to look at just a few. Number two, our church gathering is a huddle. It's our huddle, not our end zone. This is where we plan the play. This isn't the play. This is obviously a football metaphor. Everybody get it? Say amen if you get it. If you don't, find, find somebody that does and have them explain it to you later. All right? This isn't, this isn't the culmination of what we do. This is the planning stage. This thing we do on Sunday, this is the preparation for it. We have, in the body of Christ, we have, and I, I don't want to preach it. I want to go through these. Here we go. All right. Number three. Uh, anyway, we meet together to prepare for ministry outside the building. Number three. We welcome God-inspired change even when it's uncomfortable. Everybody say, Yuck. Nobody likes change but a wet baby. Amen? Nobody wants to change things, but things must change. The way we do church today won't be the way we do it tomorrow. I just wanted to see how loud the crickets would be right there. All right? Number four, we pursue a spirit-empowered and spirit-led worship experience. The Holy Spirit enabled us to worship as we should. Number five, we desire to impact the whole world through missions. We want the whole world to know Jesus. Six, we will give up things we love for things we love more. Say amen about that, would you please? It's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and his church. We will be intentional in everything we do. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Amen? We ought not be given just what's good enough. We ought to give the very best we can. We are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. That's you and me both. Tim, you, you don't get to be a spiritual consumer and just come here and watch and suck it up. We are we're going to build a culture where all of us are intended to be spiritual contributors. Say amen. We come together to give of our time, our talents, our, our abilities, our resources to do what we can to advance the kingdom of God. We will move in faith towards seemingly impossible dreams never being limited by our own fears. I want you to know that that is with regularity that fear is the thing that stops me from doing something. I've asked the Lord to let that be the end of that. We will never insult God with small thinking and small living. Next, everything we have belongs to God. We will work to give it away. The things that we have here, this building, the resources, we're looking for ways to invest them out into the kingdom of God in our community. This isn't just so that we can have a really neat place. We're looking for ways to use what God has given us 
to bless others and build the kingdom of God. Here's another one, just three more real quickly. Life is hard, God wants to make it fun. Amen? Church should be fun. Anybody say amen to that? It's not always comfortable, but it should be enjoyable. We will laugh hard and often. Next to last, the single most important metric of our success will be people growing closer to Jesus. Numbers mean nothing if lives are not being changed. And finally, we are values-driven. Any value that doesn't cost us something isn't a true value. Amen? So let me take just a few of those this morning. There are really, really four things that the body of Christ does. There are really only four things that we've ever been called to do, and these have to fit into those. Number one, we win souls. Amen? Come on, we are here to see the lost come to know Jesus. Number two, we're here to disciple those people in order to, in order to, to bring them to a place where their lives are transformed. I've been incredibly, incredibly growing, increasingly alarmed at the shallowness of people's biblical knowledge. Let me say that again. Biblical knowledge. I can't tell you the number of questions I got over the last year about the prophetic potential of what this year meant. And some of those questions were alarmingly, alarmingly, without any biblical understanding at all. People of some, some maturity, some age, people that have becoming, been coming to church for a long time asking me questions about whether or not things like, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? I want you to know it's not. All right? Some of you looking at me, no, it could be, Pastor. They could slip that chip in there. You listen, let me just say this real quickly. You will not get the mark of the beast by accident. You will not, nobody will surprise you. You wake up and go, oh my goodness, I took the mark. No, people will choose to be marked. Amen? That's the whole nature. You will not, so would you just quit worrying about whether or not somebody's gonna fool you into getting the mark of the beast? You won't be fooled. You will decide. People that take it, that is the issue. They decide to follow that way. It won't be an accident, all right? But people need to know the Word of God. So we, we see people saved. We see people filled with, the whole, I mean, filled with the Word of God, filled with the Holy Spirit as well in there. But listen, but, but discipleship. Number three, we meet needs. We're going to launch this church out into the community like never before, finding ways to be engaged in meeting the needs of people in this community. Amen. And then fourthly, we, we, we connect people together in a way so that their lives are enhanced. And that's really the only things we do. And all of these statements have to plug into those. So I just want to take a few moments and just preach three of these this morning and tell you what it means real quickly. Number one, and I didn't pick them top to bottom. I picked some uh, because I, I thought they went together as they should. Number one, we will honor Christ in this church with integrity. Everything we do and say should push people towards Christ. If we can't draw a direct line back to this first statement, we won't be investing our time or money in it over the next five years. We must be able to say that this is pushing people towards Jesus. And I want to suggest a position for you and your family, a question that we ought to begin to ask. You say, Pastor, you're being perhaps even more blunt than you have. You're being more direct. Why? Because I just saw a guy stand before the U.S. Congress and pray in the way that he did. I just saw the things that went on in the Capitol building. I've just seen the circumstances over the last year. I've watched this year transpire, and I'm telling you, it is absolutely mandatory that you draw a line in the sand for your family and ask this question, and that this position would become the reality for every family, that everything we do and say as a family should push people towards Jesus. 
Is there a thing that we do? Is there a thing that we're involved in? Is there, is there a place? I, I'm, not even, I'm not even sure that you have to do. In fact, I'm absolutely sure that you don't have to do all these things to be saved. I'm not asking you to be saved. I'm asking you to go beyond salvation. I'm asking for the body of Christ to mature and grow and come to a place where they begin to be active participants in the propagation of the kingdom of God that there wouldn't be any. There will be some, but my goal is that there wouldn't be any. There wouldn't be one family that hasn't... I don't know, made some plaque and put something on their wall that says something like what Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That what we do, what we do in our recreation, what we do with our money, what we do with our time, how we raise our kids, what we do in our front yard when the neighbors are watching, how we drive, how, listen, that this family exists in order to honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that everything, everything that we can proactively put our eyes on to do, we will do in such a way as to bring people to know Jesus. Ah, There. I feel better. You feel better? That we don't live in a world, we, we are looking at a world that is suffering the effects of the body of Christ not living that way. And that's what's going on in our world. If your family is one of those that's already doing that, I applaud you. Dad, I want you to know I'm so proud of you. Mom, I'm so proud of you for making those little kids get out of bed this morning, put their clothes on and come to church. Because we're past the time. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Is the cry coming out of your life? Is the way that you do your work? Is the way that you live your life? Is the way that you recreate? Does it have this cry, be reconciled to God? Is that the message of your life? Is that the message of your day? Is that the message of your year and your life that you live walking into every circumstance, every relationship, every job, every moment saying, hey, listen, the most important thing you need to know about me is that I want you to be reconciled to God. I'm not here to make the most money or be the most popular or rise on the corporate ladder. The thing that constrains me more than anything else is that you would be reconciled to God. Is that the message coming from your life? Is that the thing that you're portraying to the world? Because I want you to know that abundant life in the next five years, that's going to be the overwhelming message to the world. Be reconciled to God. Because it has to be. It's time for the body of Christ to get Christian on the right side of the hyphen. What does that mean? To get Christian on the right side of the hyphen. You know, I'm a, I'm a Republican dash Christian. I'm a Democrat dash Christian. I'm a white dash Christian. I'm a black dash Christian. I'm a female dash Christian. I'm a male dash Christian. I'm a Young dash, I'm an old dash, I'm a seasoned. Uh, old is not a word that I really care for anymore. I'm a grandpa dash Christian, I like that one a lot. All right? I wish there was some way to be a grandpa and not get old. That'd be, that'd be spectacular. But listen, we've put Christian on the wrong side of the dash for too long. What do I mean? It's a matter of priorities, it's a matter of statement, it's a matter of, 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 of significance. I think that you and I ought to decide today, Lord, before I walk out of this room today, 
I'm going to be a Christian-everything else. I'm going to be a Christian-worker. I'm going to be a Christian-man. I'm going to be a Christian-woman. I'm going to be a Christian-Republican, Christian-Democrat. I'm going to be a Christian-black man, white man, Hispanic man, woman, boy, girl. I'm going to be a Christian-educator, Christian-teacher. I'm not going to be those things first. The first and foremost quality in my life is to reconcile people to God. Amen? It's time. Come on, it's time. Can't you feel it's time? Come on, church, can't you feel it? Don't you feel, don't you feel the Spirit bringing an alarm to your spirit that it's time? It's actually past time, isn't it? One of the enemy's great mistakes, I absolutely believe, in this pandemic. The word woke has become a part of our vocabulary. Oh, they're woke. You know what that means, right? They're aware of social issues. They've, they've become awake. I don't know why we have to butcher the English to do it. I'm woke. No, I'm awake. Sorry, I'm, my, my English teacher's sitting right there. You know, I got to get this right. But I, do you understand what I mean? One of, the great, one of the great mistakes of the enemy is he's done woke the body of Christ to the reality of what happens in a world where they don't become a just advanced in their discipleship, advanced in their knowledge of the word, advanced in their stewardship, advanced in their giving. It's time for the body of Christ. We will honor Christ and his church with integrity. Number two. Well, let me give you a goal in number one. And this is a big one. You ready? To see 250 new converts, not weekly rededications. Come to Christ and enter into meaningful discipleship every year over the next five. 250 genuine new converts didn't know the Lord before. And they get saved and enter into meaningful life-transforming discipleship every year for the next five. That's, you, you understand? That's 1,250 new people coming to know the Lord over the next five years. Brand new that didn't know. Can we do it? Can't happen just in this room. It's got to happen as you and I take this out into the out into the world. We'll honor Christ in His church with integrity. Number two, our church gathering is a huddle, not an end zone. We meet together to prepare for ministry outside our building. Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven and twelve says, "And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ." Luke chapter 14, verse 23, and the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. There is an undeniable shift in the, from the first century and from before that, from the time of Christ, from the day of Pentecost, from the time of Christ to the day of Pentecost through the spreading of the first century church across not only Israel but the region around it and into Asia and Europe over the next century or so. There is an undeniable shift away from the priesthood of the believer to a professional ordained occupational priesthood. And when I say priesthood, I'm obviously we're not talking about the Catholic sense of that. In the sense that I'm an occupational priest, that's what I mean. And there's been an undeniable shift from the time of Jesus till today 
that the expectation is that those who are professionally trained are the best suited to tell people about Jesus and to disciple people for Jesus and to proclaim the word of God. And while there is no, no doubt about the benefit of training and learning and educating oneself, I'm, I'm still engaged in it. You know how valuable that is to me. The world cannot be one with that mindset. You cannot think of this as the place that you come in order to, to, to that this, this meeting that we do, Sundays, Wednesdays, prayer, any of them, cannot be seen philosophically in the minds of the body of Christ as the place where the ministry takes place any longer. It has been. In, in all of our minds, it has become the apex. It's the, it's the end zone. It is the place where we have finally, if I can get them to church, now they are positioned in order to receive Jesus and start a transformed life. And listen, church family, if we hold on to that, we die. The world slips into eternity without Jesus. You must allow the Holy Spirit to begin today to rewire that thinking. This cannot be the end zone. This must be the place where the play is designed. This must be the place where training takes place, where, where, where we equip ourselves. But this cannot be the primary place that you think in your mind, that, that you invest in, and that you commit to be a place where people come to know Jesus. That must begin to happen widespread exponentially across our world at places of work and on lunch hours and over coffee and in living rooms and in small groups and on trips and at soccer games on the sideline. You must begin to program your mind to think that I, I, not pastor, not anybody else, not somebody that's been to school, I'm responsible. I alone am responsible for the call of God and for the commission of God to take this gospel into all the world and preach it to every creature. That you have a responsibility to do that. That this is the place where we pour into you and you ask questions and you delve into the word of God and you get strong. This is the gym where you pump the weights to build up your spiritual faith. This is the place where you encourage one another and get filled up with the Holy Spirit so as to launch out into this community and completely inundate it with the word of God. This is the place where that happens. This isn't the goal line. This is the huddle. This is where we talk about it and strategize. This is where we make plans and train. And this is where we pour into our kids all kinds of good things. And will there be people saved here? Yes, we're going to see that happen. But oh, to Jesus, that it would start happening out in your homes and out in commuting and when you're at work and on lunch breaks and all of those things. That's where we're going to have to get the word of God out into. We are searching for those possibilities of moments where God can take our life and align it with someone else's life. I want you to know that the most exciting moment that some of you have not yet experienced is that moment where you, in a moment of consecrated prayer, as you prepare for your day, say, okay, Father, I'm going to be going out today. I'm going to be making these stops. I'm going to be, Lord, use me. Where you begin to focus your mind on the task of spiritual advancement in a given day rather than just the task at your work you must do. And listen, I don't want you to neglect your work. I want you to do both. But where you begin to pray and ask the Lord to anoint you to step out into those moments and you do and you watch. Not, not, not 
what the Lord does in this place, but you watch how the Lord directs your steps into the perfect moment, at the perfect time, in a person's life whose heart's been perfectly prepared by the Spirit of God, and it is so, it is so easy. It won't be without fear in a moment, but it will come because the Lord has put the setup in place, and you'll be used of God as the evangelist and the harvester in a moment to bring somebody to Jesus. And when that begins to happen, oh my goodness, your prayer is going to, that's what the enemy wants to stop because in that moment, your prayer is going to be supercharged. You'll get up the next day, okay, Lord, oh, that was good. Now give me another one today, Father. I want to see another one come to you. And you'll begin to press in. You'll begin to crave the Holy Spirit. You'll be, that person will begin to ask you questions and you've never delved into the Word of God until you feel responsible for the, for the, for the stewardship, for the discipling of someone else. You'll get the Word of God out and you go, oh my goodness, they asked me about how long was Noah on the ark I got who's Noah all right all right you with me and suddenly you'll be you'll be expecting something and it won't be this drudgery that the enemy has convinced you that it is it'll be the greatest adventure mm, that you've ever been on because you'll be changing eternity for people. All of a sudden, watch this. This will happen to all those little contentious things in your lives. Those things that used to keep you up at night. Whoosh. This wind of the Holy Spirit's going to push those out of the way. Why? Because suddenly you will have seen your life for what it is. What you were made to do. Oh, your purpose will become clear. Oh, the purpose of God will begin to fill you up. All those irritants, all that stress is going to disappear. Because you'll know what you were made to do all of a sudden. And you'll step into those moments and one after the other, after the other, after the other. And then here's what's happening. You're going to call sister whoever who's your best friend in the church and you're going to tell her about what you did or you're going to call him and he's going to go, oh, I'm a nothing. I got to get moving because if she can do it, I can do it because all of you expect me to do it. God will begin to pour out his anointing upon everyone. And this region will be saved. Let me ask you a question. And I know I'm talking to the early service. This is a better question for that late service. You know. <laughs> what ministry is your family involved in right now? What is it that your family, not what's the church doing that you come to? What is your family doing? What ministry? Is your family engaged? Not a sing on the worship team or a... No, no, no. That's good. Outside of here, what's your family's ministry? What's your ministry outside this building? What's God had for you? Because I don't know if you've noticed, most of the lost aren't in here. They're out there. So begin to ask the Lord, Lord, what can I be used of you to do? Because our church gathering is a huddle, not an end zone. Number three, real quickly. We welcome God-inspired change even when it's uncomfortable. The way we do church today won't be the way we do it tomorrow. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. The Lord said, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make in the way of the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let me just give you some strategic things, some things that we've had to do by necessity, some things that we've been envisioning doing, some things that we want to do, some staff changes. Let me just, in, just sort of bring you up to speed on all of that. Um, pastor Dave's role is changing. Uh, we're firing him from being the children's pastor, and we've asked him to fill an executive pastor role. What's that mean? We have lots of things that we need to get done now, and Pastor Dave's going to step up into the 
He's going to be managing the staff. He's going to be watching over the administrative things that need to take place here. He's going to be, be helping me with the things here. He's going to be watching over both of the campuses. Pastor Chris is going to be filling a sort of a co, co-pastor role, a, 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 a senior associate role. We haven't exactly determined what, but the titles aren't necessary. There will be some times where he's going to be preaching here and I'm going to be at the Wood River. We're also looking at some things where the same person can preach at all of those places on a given Sunday. Trying to move us to a place where God can begin to do some things that he's never done. So when you have things that you need in the, in the area of the staff or scheduling or building or facilities, those things, contact Pastor Dave with those. And we're searching actively for a new children's pastor. Partly because Pastor Dave's old as I am and he doesn't need to be doing children's ministry anymore. But also because he's got all the years that he's got in the management area and he's going to be stepping into those roles. So we've got some new staff assignments going on. Here's another one that is one of those dreams that seems like it's too big. Over the next five years, we're going to plant 20 dinner church locations. What, what's a dinner church? It's an evangelistic outpost. It's a place where we find the darkest, most lifeless, most unchurched areas we can find. And we rent a storefront or a building or a room once a week. And we start with just a meal and then we invite the just the area around it with no expectation that these are church people this won't be a church service this will just start off as a meal with conversational evangelism we'll probably do this on a non-church night like a thursday night i'm going to need some of you to fix food and carry food out we'll fix all the food here and then transport it out to these locations multiple locations so there may be a, a big crew of people cooking and then other people transporting it. And then a whole crew of people at, at each location because you got to have people sitting at each table. They'll start small. There may be five or eight, six, ten people, who knows, that are going to be there. But we expect that within five years there'll be at least 40 people in each of these locations. If it works out so that we can, we'll make those spots where we run buses on Sunday morning to bring those people back here to church. I don't know if that's feasible yet or not. Maybe more more succinct, to start a church there on Sunday morning. But we're going to need a lot of people that are comfortable going into places that you probably don't normally go and spending time with people that you probably don't normally spend time with. And they're going to be people that are deeply wrapped in need and deeply wrapped in sin and deeply lost. Because that's who we're here to reach, amen? And they're going to be people that are never going to come here. They're just never going. We are not on their radar. They don't know we exist. We're going to have to go to them. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to go in a very different manner. We're going to go. It's not going to be a church service. It's going to be a meal. And we're going to just love on people once a week. And we're going to sit at tables. And we're going to talk about the things in our life. And we're going to check on their life. And we're going to get involved in lives that are deeply messed up. And how many of you know there's a cost to that? There's a cost to you emotionally. You're going to have to be prayed up and filled up with the Holy Spirit, filled up with God's Word. We're going to have some prayer times that are going to commission. We're going to get those people that are going to be launching out into that ready at this place. And then we're going to go do those things. And we're going to try to launch over the next five years, 20 of those. There'll be expense that we won't get any return on. Our bottom line, some years, is going to be in the red but my question would be, what are we saving it for? 
our yearly bottom line. There are going to be some years that it's going to be in the red. I don't think we've ever had one of those in the 10 years that I've been here. Our, our, I just want you to know, I've never been anywhere that has as much money in the bank as we have. We had an incredible year this year. There may be some deacons go, don't tell them that they won't give. You've proven that wrong over and over again. I didn't give that money. I'm not going to hide it from you that it's there. We've been blessed incredibly. We ought to do something with it. Say amen. We've got a great group of deacons. We've got a great group of financial people. Jeremy Plank, I wanted to tell you that too. Jeremy Plank is working, officing out of here and doing all of our books and stuff. He's a CPA. He's doing a fabulous job. He and Mary are keeping me out of prison every day. They do a great job. They just do a wonderful job keeping up with that. He's going to continue to do that on a, on a uh, as needed, you know, basically doing all of our reports and taking care of all of those things for us. So we're in very good shape there with the administration of those things. But we're going to start using some of those monies. And there are going to be some years where we're, where we're going to spend some of that money to try to reach the loss. Say amen with that. We're going to discover the best way to use these facilities and the services that we currently have. Already we have partnered with some organizations, the 40 Days for Life. I want you to know that we are staunchly 100% against abortion. And we have partnered with, amen. I went to the rally over at uh, Granite City in front of the abortion clinic, the one that they had. They, have 40, they do 40 Days for Life a couple of times a year. And I'll be honest, guys, I was sad, not at the reality of abortion. I was sad at the small amount of resources that they had. They had a little old bitty battery-powered speaker thing sitting up on a little ladder. And listen, I, I love these ladies. They're doing, the, they, they're doing the very best they can with what they had. And they had a little microphone that was going to that little thing, and it kept falling over, and they were set up on a sidewalk. And I thought, oh, Lord, I've got to... I got an outreach trailer. We've got an outreach trailer sitting out there that could blow this abortion clinic over with the sound that it would put out. Why are we not using it? And so we're going to get actively engaged in that. And that, that won't be popular with everybody that we do. So be it. We're going to find ways to use the resources and the facilities that we have. And that won't always garner us favor with everyone in the community around us. So be it. There are a number of us already engaged with the warming center that's taking place at Deliverance Temple. Pastor Dave and I have already served. Jeremy's already served. When we go down and there are homeless people. And anytime the temperature drops below 20, you heard me talk about that. We've got a number of, 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 of others, Jane Ann and Tracy and some others that are going on a regular basis, going down and giving time to be used. We, we are looking for ways to get out of this building and minister the love of God to people in need. We're going to keep that process going. Let me give you one more. We will move in faith towards seemingly impossible dreams, never being limited by our own fears. We will never insult God with small thinking and safe living. Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? I told you about the dinner church locations, 20 of those over the next five years with 800 people. 800 people not here right now. Not 800 recirculated people, but people that don't know the Lord, people that are living in darkness, people bound up in sin. We're going to go to them. 
we're also, we've already done the groundwork of this, but we're going to continue to move forward with this and see it established well. We're going to establish a leadership college to produce leaders for those 20 locations with both a degree and a credential track with 30 actively involved and five graduates in five years. What does that mean? A place right now to go and achieve a Bible college education costs right in the neighborhood of $100,000 plus. Hundred grand. Most Bible college students can't afford that. So the numbers of people that are enrolling in our universities is declining greatly just because the costs are so astronomical. And one of the things that those schools have done is to open up uh, adjunct locations, adjunct or external locations with adjunct professors so that you can, and I've talked to you about this before, so that you can offer a Bible college degree outside of the Bible college campus and you can do it for less than a third of the cost. We're already credentialed to do that. We're going to begin researching all the opportunities through the Wood River campus and through the staff we have, but also a non-degree track where we have, I don't know if you've noticed, but Pastor Jason and Becca have done a tremendous job. There's a whole group of teenagers that have begun. You saw a bunch of them on the worship team this morning. Didn't they, didn't they look good up there? Amen. That's our next generation. Most of those, there's a couple of seniors, but most of them are juniors and sophomores and freshmen. Some are even younger. Where are they going to go? What are they going to do? I'm tired of sending our best and our brightest somewhere else. Those that do have a call of ministry on their life, almost none of them stay here and minister with us. They go off and they get trained in a place like this somewhere else. And I just think that they ought to stay here. Amen? And we ought to help them achieve their dreams. And then we ought to see the ministry that they're called to come to fruition. And over the next five years, we're going to put that in place. And we're going to use them. And those, we have a number. John Bowling, Joe McDonald. I mean, I'm, I'm going to leave a bunch of people out here that are probably in the room. Rochelle Leibarger. These people that have done all of the ISOM. Troy Ware. Done all of the ISOM classes. Are now completely equipped. Ready to get credentials. Become ordained. Certified licensed. And then ordained ministers. And we ought to have a place that they can go and use that calling in order to minister to the Lord. And we're going to use those dinner church locations and this process to raise up the leaders. Some of you have a calling of God on your life that you've never surrendered to. You couldn't because you had a job and you had a, a, a responsibility. You had family that you had to pay for. Well, this is the time. This is the way that you can fulfill that dream of getting either that degree or getting that credential and then going and using what you have more than just being here, more than just being used the way you're used here to actually be somebody bringing the lost to the Lord and discipling them and seeing that happen. This ought to be a place where people can do that and we think the Lord's going to have us to do that some of this is just numbers in this next one but in the next five years we're going to surpass the 1500 mark in weekend worship services within five years you say pastor that's sort of arrogant no it's faith filled because you have to hear the rest of the statement with the majority of that growth coming by new converts and discipleship you say, Pastor, that's just hot air. Okay, just wait and see. Just wait and see. This year has taught me some things. The clock is ticking on us, church. You have an expiration date. I have an expiration date. We have a limited amount of time. And if we're not going to do it, the Lord ought to bring people here that will. Amen? We have an enormous 
opportunity. We have an enormous resource. We have a beautiful facility. We have great staff. We have everything in place. There's absolutely no reason why over the next five years we can't see that number of people saved and discipled and come to know the Lord with new converts through the, through the dinner churches, through the leadership college, through your efforts moving out. God has some things that he wants to do and it's time for us to get, off, get on with doing it. Let me close with this question. What about you? What about your family? What's this year taught you? What's been shook up in your world? Are you ready to move forward in your walk with the Lord? Are you ready to deepen the roots of what you believe? Are you ready for the degree of the word of God that you know to get deeper? Are you ready to engage in some audacious dream that the Lord, some audacious crazy ministry that the Lord lays on your heart? Something that he speaks to you? Are you open to the Lord speaking something into you that's never been, that's never been imagined, that no one has done, and the Lord's going to use you to do it? Are you ready for that? Are you open to that? Is there margin in your life for that? Will you make margin in your life for that? Are you ready to see more people come to Jesus than ever before? Are you ready to be used of God to teach new converts God's word? Let me ask you that. Are you ready? You say, Pastor, I'm already in. Okay, are you ready to be used to teach people that don't know anything about the Lord what it means to serve the Lord? If you say, no, 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 that's not me. Okay, then who is it? Then that's my question. If it's not you, then who is it? Because it's time. Are you ready? Are you ready to pray harder than you've ever prayed before? Are you ready to show up on Sunday night for prayer meeting? And by the way, prayer meeting is live tonight, in person. Are you ready to show up? Ooh, cricket. <laughs> what do you mean? The playoffs are on. Yeah, they are. The eternal playoffs are on. All right? Come on, DVR that thing. Go home. I won't tell you who won. I ain't going to be watching it anyway. Are you ready to show up and pray harder? Are you ready for your schedule to change in order to see the kingdom of God grow? Pastor, you've been in my face. Yes, I am. Are you ready to study harder than you've ever studied from God's word because of the questions others are answering? Are you ready to serve more than you've ever served before? Are you ready to give more than you've given? Are you ready to go more? Are you ready to be tired down in your bones not because you worked out in the yard all day, but because you work with a loss and they've exhausted you emotionally. And while your body is tired and your emotions are tired, your spirit is full, you're ready for that, church. Because it's time. Father, this morning. Oh, Lord, this morning. It's time for us to move, Lord. It's time for the body of Christ to move. Move from where we've been. Move from what we've been doing. Change our routines. Change our focus. Double down in your word and in prayer time, Lord. Push deeper into the spirit of God than we've ever. Ask tougher questions, Lord. Go places we've never been. Give like we've never given. Invest of our time and our energy and our resources like we've never done before. Because, Father, we have so keenly been made aware over the last few weeks of what's taken place in our world. And, Lord, it's time. time, Lord. Help us. Church, look up here. For years and years and years, there's been this 
there's been this theological, philosophical idea that revival was the product of, that there was some, best way I can describe it, some container in heaven. And when we amassed enough spiritual energy to fill that container, God would sort of pour out revival and people would come just streaming into the altars and the body of Christ would suddenly just explode. I'm not saying that there's not spiritual work to be done. But I'm not convinced that that's the path to revival. I've seen, I've seen revivals happen in places where one man or one woman all alone walked into areas where the gospel had never been and they all alone combated spiritual forces that were entrenched for generations and entire tribes of people and regions were saved because of one man or one woman's commitment all by themselves. I'm not saying there weren't others backing them up. Here's what I believe today. I believe God has been standing at the edge of heaven for a generation with the, with the, with the container. If, if that metaphor is at all correct, God is not a malicious God who's counting. Nope, nope, nope. You needed 1,000. You had 998. I'm not sending revival. It's kind of the way we feel about it sometimes. Well, if we could have just gotten, you know, we had 30 in prayer. And if we could have gotten to 100, my goodness, the whole world would have been saved. While sitting around us at work the next day after we came to that prayer meeting where a dozen people that didn't know Jesus, and we never opened our mouth once and said anything to them about what the Lord meant to us. I think the next step in revival is for the body of Christ to just stand up. Stand up and say, here am I, Lord. I'm ready. I'm ready right now. I'm ready to be used of you. Lord, I'm, I'm loaded. I'm ready. I'm full. Point me in the right direction. I'm yours. And so that's what I'm asking this morning. I'm asking for a commitment that says, yep, I'm his guy. I'm his girl. I'm his man. I'm his woman. I'm the one, Lord, you can count on me. I don't even know what it all means right now, Father, but I'm ready. I'm ready to be used. I'm ready to speak. I'm ready to give. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to teach. I'm ready to invest. When, when Pastor Dan picks up the phone and he calls me and says, will you teach, will you? Yes. Yeah, why? Because I stood up. I don't even know how to do that. I'm ready. We'll get you ready. This is a huddle. I'm looking for some people that will say, I ain't never been in a football game, Coach. Put me in. I, do I dribble it? Do, do, can, I, can I kick it? I don't know. I'm just, I'm available. I may get clobbered. Put me in. That's what I'm looking for. I think that's what the Lord is looking for. Do you know what is required of stewards in the scripture? Faithfulness, obedience. People that will just step up and say, here I am, Lord, send me. So let me ask you this this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're not going to come to the altar just because we'll get to that point, but not yet. Otis, would you come back, please? But you would say, I'm ready. I don't even know all that that means, Pastor Roy, when you say that. But I look at the world around me and somebody's got to get ready, and it's me. It's my family. 
You need a teacher? I'm him. You need a driver? I'm her. You need a cook? I'm, I don't even know how to cook. I can't boil water, but I'll try. I've never taught anything. I've never, I don't even know what I'm committing to. Everything in church growth says you got to give people a, an, ex, an extensive job description and give them a, a definite time period. I only need you to do this for six months. I'm not looking for those. I'm looking for those indiscriminate, crazy about the Lord, sort of, sort of, you know, sort of too excited to be healthy people that would say, I look at the world around me, I see the condition. And the body of Christ needs to stand up. They need to stand up in the cause of the Word of God. They need to stand up in the cause of biblical teaching. They need to stand up in the cause of evangelism. They need to stand up in the cause of care ministry where we warm up people that are freezing out on the streets and where we provide meals and clothes. They need to stand up for widows and orphans. They need to stand up in the hospitals. They need to stand up visit sick people. They need to stand up and take meals to people who have lost loved ones. They need to stand up and, and just be Jesus with His arms extended to the lost. It's easy to love those who love you. Lord, I'm ready to stand up and love those that hate me. And if that's you, would you do just that? Just stand up. Right where you are right now. That's me, Pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm the Lord's guy. I'm the Lord's girl. I'm his man. I'm his woman. I'm his boy. I'm his girl. I don't even know to what I'm standing yet. Oh, Jesus, I haven't even opened my eyes yet, Lord. I hope some people are standing. I know this group. I know they are. Holy Spirit, it's time to move. It's time to pray. It's time to give. It's time to work. It's time to advance the kingdom of God in ways that we never have. And it's for me and my house. We will serve you. When a world is quickly pulling away from you, no matter the cost, having counted the cost, we will stand for you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you see those in this room stand, and you know each one of their strengths and their weaknesses and their imperfections and their great joys and their great sorrows. You have walked with them through the valley of the shadow of death. And they carry on them the mark of that and it will never leave them, Lord. The loss that they have suffered. Devil, what you don't know is that that mark, the pain that they suffered, the loss that they accumulated, the, the joys, the sorrows, the mistakes, the worst day of their life, devil, the Lord's going to redeem and use to destroy your work in this world. Father, bind our hearts together with cords that can't be broken. Launch this church, Father, this body, into the greatest evangelism this region has ever known. I don't even know how to do it all yet, Lord, and I'm not supposed to. It's going to come out of ease, Father. You're going to lay ministries on their hearts. Some of them are going to be in this building, but most of them are going to be out in neighborhoods, Lord. Why? Because we're reordering our priorities. We're refocusing our minds. We are reallocating our resources. Right now in this moment, Lord, we're saying we are 
yours. This is yours. My home is yours. My education is yours. My dreams are yours. My past that's been redeemed by you is yours. My future is yours. My kids are yours. My marriage, it belongs to you, Father. My skills, all of them, they're yours, Lord. My tools in my garage, they're yours, Father. All of it, it's all yours. Because I'm your ambassador, Lord. I'm your ambassador for the River Bend. 2021 is the year of movement for the body of Christ, Lord. Look across this room, Lord, and seal up those that are standing, Father. Place, like Ephesians chapter 1 says, the seal of the Holy Spirit upon them. And Lord, in the day, the rest of this day, and tonight, Lord, I pray that tonight, here's what I ask, Father, that tonight, Lord, during their sleep, Holy Spirit, inject things into their sleep into their dreams formulate ministry formulate advancement put the faces of people that don't know you that are in their sphere of influence upon their heart Lord so that when they awake tomorrow morning Lord the very first thing they would do is begin to engage intercession takes place for those faces Lord all of it do it all Father what only you can Father in each heart we're yours we stand up for you Commit ourselves to you. Now take us and use us. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, would you bring the house lights all the way up? Because I can see just those in the first two rows. Hey, there's some people standing. Praise the Lord. I knew you would be. It's first service. Come on. You know I say the same thing to the second service, right? You know I talk bad about you in the second service. You know that, right? Okay. I'm a preacher, man. Come on. All right, now listen. We're going to start very quickly working on dinner church things. When you hear about that, don't assume that that's somebody else. Step up and get engaged. When you hear about discipleship opportunities, growth track is going to be coming back online. We're going to need growth track teachers, people to go in and just represent who we are. We're going to be bringing DNA of leader classes online so that you can begin to refine the leadership skills that you have. And all of that's going to be a part of putting dinner church things into place. Eventually, we'll get back to where we're using our vehicles and running. We're going to need people to do that. All of the ministries. We're going to need people to cook food. The warming center is still needing people. If you need to know more information about that, you can let me know. Thrive ministry with the ladies that are stopping trying to prevent abortions from taking place. they got a constant need for people to work down there. The, the river, I mean, there's all kinds of needs outside this building that we're amassing. And we're going to see what the Lord wants to do. Amen.